die transformatietafel word met trots geborg dier Maxflex Cables. You are listening to the Transformation Table. Where we talk about God's business. Come, good morning, everybody on Zoom this morning. We're a nice group. I'm uh, personally very excited to to speak to Matt again. I've been looking forward to this meeting for a long time, Matt. And I just want to thank you again for for sharing your wisdom with us at um, at the Bloemfontein uh, meeting um, afternoon in the tent. Yes, it was special. I've got a special story about that, uh, but we can we can maybe talk about that much later. Um, so um, I think what we do is, um, uh, can I ask um, Peter? Would you would you mind opening us for us with prayer, please? Come on, let's commit the song to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for this new day. We thank you for the adventure. We thank you for all that this day holds. We commit this time to you. Lord, would you take us from where we are to where you want us to be? Holy Spirit, will you please come and take the wheel this morning? Bless our time together, we ask, to the glory of the Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Peter. So I just also want to welcome the people that's going to listen to the podcast whenever that, um, whenever they listen to that, and also the radio station. Um, uh, I, I suggested to Matt that we that we do this podcast and and focus on the subject because um, I'm sure uh, Matt, you've got so many questions or so many people asking you the same thing over and over again, and uh, this might be a nice tool for you to to say listen to the podcast you know and um, if you've got questions after that not that you want to not that you want to brush off people but uh, it might be a nice tool for you to use for for that type of um, situation so uh, Matt very very welcome Um, I think what we should what we should do this morning um, just for the guys that's new on the group um, uh, Matt is our guest Uh, uh, see picture this as a table we all sitting around the table I hope you've got a cup of coffee and um, and we're having a chat, and we we invited Matt to come and come share with 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 us what um, they've done in Howick and what the future plans is, and then a little bit later, Matt, if you're up for it, we can maybe open the table for for some some questions, and how we do that is um, you'll see at the bottom of your screen there's a reaction bar. Just put up your hand, and then um, then we all get a chance to. Um, to uh, uh, ask some questions and or contribute in some way. So, uh, Matt, if I can ask you, share with us. You are listening to The Transformation Table, where we talk about God's business. I think just uh, as an introduction, obviously my name is Matt. I am a pastor at Oasis Church. I have one wife. Uh, and always a good thing in this country to clarify, and also have four kids, um, have been living in Howick for 20 years now. I never thought I would end up here. I have had, you know, I've lived in Botswana. I grew up in Cape Town for most of my life, went overseas for a bit, and then came back 
to be part of the change in South Africa and believe in this country. Off the back of the weekend, when our Springbok team showed us what it's like to to believe in a nation and to to fly the banner of hope, I think that is um, our, our mission and vision too. So I'm going to run through just uh, some context, and I think it's important for you know just for us to to really look look back a little bit about where we've come from, and then obviously we'll talk about. Uh, Love Hike and where Love Hike was birthed and where we're going. So the first thing I, I mean, I want to start off with just showing a, a short video clip uh, just around um, where our nation has been. And and I know this is going to obviously just bring back some memories, um, but I think it's important for us to understand that uh, we've got a job to do. And as, as vehicles of change, as those who carry um, such a heart for our nation, I want to see the King of Heaven come on earth uh, this is as vital just to just to listen and and reflect. National Coronavirus Command Council has decided to enforce a nationwide lockdown for 21 days, with effect from midnight on Thursday, the 26th of March. Let us continue to stand united in our determination to defeat this virus. We are looking to testing at least 2,000 people today. Go back. You can't talk clothes because of food, guys. My stomach is empty. Ring up any stairs and stairs and stairs and stairs. Turning to the pandemic, a dangerous new strain of the coronavirus is... After initially controlling the virus, South Africa is experiencing a sharp rise in coronavirus cases. Well, let's head to South Africa now, where youth unemployment is at a staggering 66.5%. This is the official rate for youth... Job seekers are discouraged. Uh, majority of us were former discouraged job seekers. Now we are active because we are collective, because when we are individual, you become discouraged. Uh, these malls that serve the community here and within uh, the, the vicinity. But right now it looks, from what I can see, that not much of it is going to be sold. The government says the mob was deliberately directed towards distribution centres, key highways, railways and... Go. Now some of the things that's going to happen when you look out and see what can I contribute to, what can I give, I guarantee you, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to have a voice that's saying it's just no use. It's, it's, it's out of control now. There will be a voice telling you that you'll be wasting your time and wasting your energy and wasting your effort. I say don't listen to it. Listen to that still small voice that says, I can do something and I ought to do it. We ought to do it. The Israeli said this. Nothing can resist the will of a people that will stake even their existence on the extent of that purpose for good. I strongly believe that, that all of us have some work to do, that each one of us showed up to do something, that each one of us showed up to contribute something to life, and that if we don't do it, it will not be done. Begin to see yourself as an opening for the universe to move through, to work through, to make a difference in life. See yourself being used by life to improve the quality of life, to expand and to grow. 
And so there you have it. Uh, just a reminder of, I think, you know, where our country has come from uh, with the backdrop of COVID, the backdrop of especially KZN looting and widespread violence, uh, floods, uh, and I think historical just neglect in terms of, of leadership within our nation. Um, I can think of unemployment stats. I can think of uh, just the widespread poverty that exists. I can think of uh, a sluggish economy where businesses are battling to make it. Uh, and the result of all of that is generally a sense of hopelessness. And when I uh, definitely came back to South Africa um, now 20 years ago, uh, I could see that, and it, it progressively obviously has got more difficult um, since COVID and all those type of things. But on the backdrop of that, I think it's important to understand that, you know, we are the change um, and we have been called to be the change. And our story started uh, a number of years ago, probably about 10 years ago, nine and a half years ago, when I was driving around our community and I was doing what all good South Africans do. And I was complaining about the status quo. Our verges, uh, the grass was a meter high. Um, uh, there was rubbish everywhere. There were potholes all throughout our roads. Um, just, just looking around in the physical, I just completely, uh, was discouraged. And so we're driving on a Saturday morning and, um, uh, as I was complaining, my five-year-old daughter who was sitting in the back seats of the car, uh, decided to say, and, and just, stopped me for a moment and said, Dad, why are you always complaining about um, our country? Why are you always complaining about uh, what's going on in our town? Why don't you do something about us? Uh, and that really was the start, starting point for me of, um, of just actually challenging myself to be someone who wasn't sitting on the sidelines waiting for somebody else to do something. Uh, I wasn't the, the spectator. I was the person who was going to decide at that point to step into the arena, no matter what it took, and become part of the change. And so, obviously, in that moment, my wife was sitting next to me in the passenger seat, and she jumped on board and said, of course, why don't you do something about it? And that got me thinking as to what we could do. And so the first thing we did is actually look at um, at cleaning up our community. And I think that is always a great place to start. Uh, we organize a community cleanup. And to be honest, I only thought a few people would uh, come, close friends, uh, those who I had coerced into being there. Uh, and as I arrived with a few rakes and some black bags and some brooms, um, 50 people rocked up at that first uh, that first moment to to come together and do something to bring transformation, uh, and I realised that in the in the heart of South Africans across the board, across different races, across different backgrounds, that everybody wanted to see change, uh, and so fifty people became a hundred people, became one hundred and fifty people, became uh, now we've got over a thousand people on our database in terms of volunteer work. Uh, and it really is this groundswell grassroots movements of people who are desperate to see the land that we dream of, South Africa, become all that God intends it to be. Uh, and so these were just some of the, the realities that we were known as the town of crime and grime. Businesses were closing. I mean, there's some before photos just of our CBD, as you see the verges, the rubbish. Um, there was a huge negative sentiment within our community. Um, I often would overhear conversations around the bra, uh, going into, you know, sitting in waiting rooms at doctors, and everyone was complaining. You'd open the newspaper and it would be typical, uh, you know, I can't believe this is happening again. Corruption is, is, is rife. We, we have so many things that are wrong in this country. And so 
Um, and the results, I think, of that is, you know, when there's negative sentiments and there's a whole lot of negativity going around, uh, it's only it's only normal for us to sit back and feel powerless. Uh, and I think that for South Africans right now across our nation, um, one thing that's changing, and I'm loving seeing what's changing, is that we are moving away from powerlessness into partnership uh, and 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 to almost catch a vision again for our country um, but at that stage 20 years ago there was little to no coordinated efforts uh, to bring change there was no partnerships there was very little investments in our communities we were kind of sat back and waited for government to do everything uh, and so the results of that um, was that we started to as a pastor's fraternal started to pray the prayer father let your will be done uh, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, and when we have been praying that, uh, for us it was, well, if we're praying that prayer, what are we doing to become the answer to that prayer? And I believe firmly that God, with the body of Christ, which means we are the ones with the hands and feet of Jesus, um, that we, we are to become the answers to our prayers. God mobilizes his people to become the answers to his prayers. And he ignites something in our hearts. He empowers us by the spirits. And God begins to do something powerful as we come together. And so our pastor fraternal decided that we needed to, on the back of cleanups and uh, starting to see some positive change, just a little bit, uh, we, we, they gave me the vision of going away to discover what it looked like for us to be the change, for us to bring and see the kingdom of heaven come on earth. Uh, and so as I was praying and um, and just seeking God around this, uh, Luke chapter 7, and this is the story that I'm going to just share around our, our strategy and what we've done, uh, is what God began to, to speak to me through. And so it's the story of Jesus coming to the city called Nain. And this is the, this is the scripture. It says, now it happened the day after that, that, that he entered into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him, and a large crowd was following him. When he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Now, you can imagine, imagine that context is that uh, this mother, she was a widow, which means she had already faced tragedy and pain. And now her only son was dead, and she was in the middle of a funeral procession following the coffin of her dead son. This, to me, uh, kind of highlighted where we were as a community. Um, there was a lot of pain. There was a lot of uh, discouragement. There was a lot of hopelessness. I think the reality of hope deferred making the heart sick was a was a common theme running through our communities. Uh, and so we could identify with this. But what Jesus did when he came into that context is that he called the city name. Name means beautiful. Uh, and so in the midst of this, God began to show us that the first step that we needed to take in, in order to see transformation happen was we needed to call our community something different. Uh, and so we began a journey of, um, you know, I, I firmly believe that 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 what we believe about our community obviously is evidence in what we speak. Uh, and so if we're going to be those that bring change, we've got to start to believe a different word. We've got to believe a different narrative. And that's where us as believers are so powerful. Believing believers, uh, we believe something different. We start to see and hear what God is saying about our community. And we start to pick up on the prophetic promises of, of our community. We start to imagine what God imagines over our, uh, over our community and, 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 the, and its people. And so Jesus called the community beautiful. And so uh, one of the things we wanted to firstly do was to shift the narrative over our city. 
Now, if you have had anything to do with Howick, um, one of the things that we were known as, obviously, other than the town of, of crime and grime, uh, was God's waiting room. Here, people just come and die. Uh, we've got a large, uh, obviously, elderly population who are phenomenal in terms of their investment in our community now. But but there was a negative sentiment. We we had a high unemployment rate. Uh, in fact, one of the key problems in our community because of youth unemployment is a high drug, uh, drug rate. And so we can see all those realities. We can see what's going on around us, but there is a higher reality. There is, uh, there is something that God is speaking, something that God has predestined for our communities. And so Jesus picked up on that and he began to prophesy that. He began to speak that. And so we started to use different means to do that. Uh, I approached our local newspaper and I said, listen, can, can I take over the newspaper for one month? Um, I, I, I respect that you've got to cover the news, but everything we read is negative. Uh, every word that, every sentence, you know, every kind of letter that comes in uh, is full of complaints and all sorts of things. Can we do something different? So uh, we decided to run a writing competition. We across our schools and our, our our communities, our businesses. We asked people to write fifty words why they love Halleck. And those 50 words uh, were powerful because people started to reflect on their history, the memories they had, what they loved about this community, the people, the, the heartbeat of the community. And so we took those um, those contributions and there were hundreds of contributions and we chose the top I think 20 or 30. And every week in the local newspaper, we published those those 50 word pieces on why we love Howick. And it was incredible to see how people started to talk about those in the streets. Instead of opening a newspaper and seeing a whole lot of negative news, we started to see, ah, oh, this is why we are, this is why we love this place. This is why we live here. This is what we believe. This is why we, this is the dream we have for the space. And so we use media and video and photography and all sorts of things to really start to speak a different word. And I want to just show you just a video that we put together that one of our businesses decided to contribute on the back of that campaign of Why We Love Howick. Uh, and we showed this, and it became something that people spread across WhatsApp, across Facebook channels and social media. Uh, and so this is Why We Love Howick. because it's a cool place to be. You just get a peace of mind and people around here, they support each other and it's a good place to be. I think it's a lifestyle. I think it definitely is that lifestyle that we can run our business here. It's really good to connect with the people who are visiting the Midlands. And we also have an art bar where people can come and sit and paint ceramics or paint pictures and have fun as a family group. I was presently surprised how beautiful our little town actually is. We often go for picnics and outings with kids. I think for families and that, there's so much to do. There's lots of creative, artsy, and very talented people in Hawaii. People are friendly. You are always bound to bump into someone that you know, and it's a great place to live. It's such an amazing community because there's such a diverse number of people. I feel that the people of Hawik are friendly. Families with children, you have elderly folk, you have a lot of tourists coming to this area, so 
there's a whole mixed bag of people. So it's really just a great space, there's a great sense of community, there's amazing projects being launched for community. I love how the process is nice for waterfall. But my dream for future of Howick in the Midlands is for it to stay as beautiful and as precious as it is. I'm here eight years. Yeah, the place is nice. It's very, very yeah, me two years. Very, very charming. No problem here. No, I love Howick because there's no crap. It's a nice place. And uh, if you go around Howick, even up to the Meander, it's incomparable to a lot of places. I would like to see turn back in the meander where people once again open their farms where you would be able to travel a little bit more and go and find the person making what he makes in his little workshop. Because of the support of the locals around here, I think how we, uh, some days it will be like a best place to be more than it is now. Empowering people, getting in more jobs, opening in more businesses. For me to have my kids running around on the beautiful lawns outside, uh, able to experience the Hoek Falls, able to experience the Kark Loop area as it is now, untouched. I think my dreams for Howick are that it continues to succeed. We've got the Nelson Mandela Monument almost in the throes of, of opening its doors. We've got the most incredible capture site there. That sculpture is just incredible. It brings people from all over. We've got fantastic Midmar Dam for activities. We've got a wonderful Midlands Meander route. And I think Howick is on a good path. Since we've moved to Howick 14 years ago, it's grown phenomenally. And we have so many people from other countries from overseas that actually choose to come and live here. I travel daily from Peter Mansfield travel. I'm doing it for the last six years and I wouldn't give Hawik up for anything. I might retire here too. We love Hawik and we We love Hawik. I love Hawik. I love Hawik. We love Hawik. Come and look around and then you seat yourself. There you have it, restoring faith, igniting hope, and revealing love. And that was just uh, yeah, a great illustration uh, of just where we were at as a community and, and mobilizing the community to start to declare something different. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, once we start to see something different, God is looking for Ezekiel to stand at before that valley of dry bones, and God asks us, what do you see? Uh, are we seeing something different? Are we prophesying different? And uh, are we beginning to speak to the dry bones in our communities to say, rise and become that vast army that we know that you are? Uh, and so the first thing is narrative. The second thing we see Jesus came, and he came to the he came to the gate of the city. Uh, and in the olden days, obviously, the gate of the city was quite an influential place. It was a place where the city elders would sit, um, which obviously represented a church. It would be a place where business transactions were signed. Uh, fathers would sort of, you know, broadcast that their sons are now taking over the family business where legal documents were signed. If the community was out at war, they would send people back to kind of give a media declaration of what was happening outside the city, a place where the kings would decree things, so government would be, would, 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 would be established there. And so we found that Jesus doing a miracle at the gate of the city was so important. Uh, and that is what we tried to develop as a place called another gate uh, in our community, where a place where a platform where business and church and governments 
and media and NGOs and everyone could kind of work together on this platform to start to see change and to start to see miracles happening in our community. And so that power of partnership, and I always say to people, everyone asks, well, what's the success of Love Hawaii? To me, it really is um, this, this collaborative uh, no one owns it. Nobody is in, con in control per se. Uh, obviously, there is a board in place. There are teams in place. There are people being mobilized all over. But the goal for us is a neutral space here where everybody can contribute something, where we all come together in unity and start to do something collectively instead of silos all over the place trying to do little things. We rather try and bring that all together and make a massive impact. And so it's really unity has been a key part in what we've done. And We've been managed to mobilize the business networks. Um, in fact, we started the Midlands Business Network, the NGOs. We started the Midlands NGO Forum. Uh, we began to mobilize, obviously, the churches together, and we ran um, different weekends together where we started to uh, minister together, do outreach together, started to pray together. Uh, we started to look link in with the media and right now we've got good relationships with print media, social media. Uh, we use video and all sorts of things to try and kind of broadcast a different message. We began to build some key relationships with our local governments, our councillors, uh, our mayor, our municipal managements, uh, and really come in with a heart of how can we serve? How can we serve the greater vision here? How can we be a blessing to the city uh, we're not here to call the shots. We're here to serve. And just like Jesus represented servant leadership, that's our, our, our goal. And so as Jesus began to um, to enter the city, it says a large crowd from the city was with this, this lady following the coffin. But when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. And he touched the open coffin and those who carried him uh, stood still. And the young man, uh, and he said to the young man, I say to you, arise. Uh, and so those key elements were part of our strategy. We realized that we couldn't just rush in and try and do something that we thought we should do. Um, and I think it's been a key part of our strategy as well. Compassion has to lead us. We've got to see people. It says the Lord saw her. Um, and, and I believe that empathy is one of the biggest vehicles for us to really connect with our communities because as we start to see the pain, as we start to hear, as we start to hear stories, as we start to feel what's going on in our community, our hearts are moved. And when our hearts are moved, everything changes after that. Uh, we always see when Jesus had compassion, the result of compassion is always healing. Um, and so Often we want to jump into solutions and make things happen, but God began to speak to us about just stopping for a moment and having compassion. And so part of our strategy is to, we use a model called ABCD, Asset-Based Community Development. Um, it's an internationally recognized community development model. And the goal for that is for us to go into communities and to create these opportunities for us to see what's going on, to hear people's stories, hear why they love their communities, but also where they're weeping, where they are, uh, where they're in need, where there are problems. And so uh, that asset-based approach has been life-changing for us because it's enabled us to have compassion and listen to people. So we've had what we did in the early days. We had multiple forums. We did surveys. We had focus groups. We ran business forums. And all of those were to hear the community. Where is it that you want to see change? What dreams are you carrying? Uh, what assets? Is it? It's an asset-based conversation first, primarily. Before we go to the problems, uh, what are you carrying? What solutions are you carrying? What assets, social assets, financial assets, human assets, uh, connection assets, 
um, natural assets, buildings. Uh, you know, what are you? What is it that you can contribute to making this story uh, one of transformation, one of positive change? And so we began to map out our community, and that business said, "I can add this. I can add this." Government said, I can bring this to the table. Churches said, I can bring this to the table. Uh, people started to rise up and say, well, what about this? I've got this vision. Uh, um, I've got this solution. I want to see this change. And we began to map all those assets out in our community and try to bring those people together and start to do something sustainably, something that was long-term, something that would bring actual change on the ground. Uh, and so... Our goal was to look at the places where our communities were weeping and try and plug those solutions into those problems. And so we, in our surveys and our feedback, uh, poverty was a high one, unemployment, uh, high crime rates. Obviously, the community was dirty, so we needed to do something about our environments. Um, food insecurity was a big thing, and a lot of people that were hungry, and especially the poorer part of our communities, uh, teenage pregnancies, lack of economic opportunities, um, I think there were a number of social issues, homelessness. And so all of those things began to come out of our engagements and our, our sort of ABCD um, infused, you know, infused forums. And so we began to, to map all those things together. Uh, and the result is that we became, we came out with a few projects that we needed to focus on. The first one, uh, and I'm going to go through some of them just because you'll see the aim of Jesus touching the coffin was that we can't just stand back and wait for somebody else. We need to get our hands dirty as it was. Um, we need to put our hands on the problem. We need to be part of the solution. The result was that as he touched the coffin, the dead thing came back to life. Uh, and I believe as we come together and start to, 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 to act together, start to collaborate together and come up with solutions um, and start to engage with those spaces collectively uh, as God inspires us, we can see dead things come back to life. Uh, we can see the hopeless situations become places of hope. We can see the destruction become places where there's new, where there's, where there's with this new rebuilding. And um, I love Isaiah 60 and 61 because we just see how God has, you know, we carry uh, the light of God is shut upon us. The glory of God is upon us, but there's a purpose to that glory. Uh, and we see later down the line where as we preach good news, as we bind up broken hearts, as we release people from prison, it goes on to say they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will restore the desolate places. They will rebuild the cities. Uh, and so that's what we wanted to do is wanted to activate Isaiah 60 and 61 in our people. And so the result was a number of projects that we started. The first one was our cleanups. And so we started to do regular cleanups. Um, we started to do, hold regular green weeks and, and, and cleanup days where we mobilized people to come together and to clean up. Secondly, we realized that one of the big problems was food insecurity amongst the poor. But we didn't want to just rush to feeding the poor and giving out a whole lot of handouts. We, we wanted to give people dignity in the process and also for them to become part of the solution. And so we started what we call the street store. The street store was designed to feed and clothe uh, and give those who are vulnerable and poor in our community their basic needs, to meet their basic needs. And so the model is that uh, they've got to go and collect recycled material from our communities. Uh, they bring that recycled material to our center. We give them tokens in exchange for that recycling. Uh, and they use those tokens to buy secondhand good quality clothing, food parcels, toiletries. Uh, we have various initiatives at the start of the year with stationery, end of the year with Christmas. And so all of that is to 
uh, empower people with rather than a, a mentality of oh, just give me, give me, give me. How can I contribute towards the change? Uh, so it's more a hand up than a hand out. And that's seen thousands of people impacted uh, every single month. There's hundreds of people in our database that come through hand in the recycling. And obviously they are able to shop at our store for their basic needs. We've included uh, cleanups in that process. So if you go and clean up our streets for, for half a day, uh, you get tokens in exchange for that, and you can obviously use those tokens. The other thing that we started to see was that uh, unemployment was a big thing. And so we couldn't just feed people. We needed to give them opportunities. And so we launched what we call the Dream Center. The Dream Center is probably one of our flagship projects to help to not just educate people, but to change mindsets, to restore dignity, to help uh, disciple and to bring people to a place where they understand their identity, they understand who they are, they understand their purpose, and they start to be equipped for that purpose. And so we're on multiple programs. The first one is a level one program called Work Ready. Uh, that's where people who are unemployed come in and, and do a basic entry-level program where we start to train them in the growth mindsets, start to sort of shift the poverty mindset from uh, something of disempowerment to empowerment. We run a whole lot of life skills training, financial literacy, relationship management, health and nutrition. We do EQ development. How do you manage your emotions? How do you how do you deal with trauma? Uh, we've made great partnerships with our local university where we've got counselors that are coming every week, masters, uh, they've got to do their community service uh, masters graduates who are coming to do um, community service with us. And so they're working with the people to deal with their trauma. We've got mentorship classes that are helping people to deal with their father wounds. Uh, as well as that, we lay upon that 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 that's um that training with a lot of professionalism, work ethic training, you know, arriving on time, dressing appropriately, being a blessing to your boss. Uh, how do you, you know, working with an ownership mentality, not an employee mentality, um, just communication skills, uh, conflict resolution, teach them how to write CVs, have job interviews, how to keep jobs, uh, what are some of the things that are important for employers. And so it's a holistic program that helps people to enter the job market and to become those that add value to our, our workplaces. Once a week in that program, we place them in the workplaces all over our community. So there's about 30 that go out, like an army of volunteers every week, and they serve in our in, in our workplaces. They're not allowed to be paid. Um, they serve a full day in the workplace, and they get graded on all the things that we're trying to teach them. Did they arrive on time? Did they dress appropriately? Did they have a positive attitude? Did they did they serve the, the, the employer? Uh, and that all counts towards their mark. Over and above that, the level one training, we offer things like sewing, baking, catering, hospitality, barista training, agriculture, which is poultry, worm farming, and crop production. We do IT office admin. Uh, we have an entrepreneurship school. We're training people to start businesses. We've seen 57 businesses started this year. And in fact, in two weeks' time, the top four businesses go head-to-head -head in our final um, sort of showdown for seed capital funding. And we're announcing our Entrepreneur of the Year. And so we're starting to see businesses starting to take off with a, a mentorship program. We've got about 15 business leaders on our mentorship platform. And so they are doing one-on-one -on -one mentorship with our up-and-coming businesses. And so there's a whole development program and pipeline to see people come from disempowerment 
to empowerment from economically, um, you know, not viable to someone who's actually actively, actively participating in the economy and giving back to the economy. And the whole goal is restored dignity, uh, a sense of ownership, uh, and that results in our job center where we start to bridge the gap between employer and employee. Um, here's a great video just to highlight the impacts that these type of programs have on people. Hi everyone, my name is Gosnati Stolle. I'm 21 years old, I'm living at Guamewana. I heard about Dream Center, about my friend Tabiso Mloja, who were doing great, great work together. So I was kind of uh, looking for a job, so doing a job hunting. Actually, I asked him, hey my friend, what is happening about your life since we've done about school? Uh, he told me about Dream Center, so he introduced Dream Center to me. When I was, when I was finishing my trip, I was not working. My life was just caught up in the corner. But the day where uh, I was introduced into Dream Center, it's where my life started to have changed. As I'm talking now, I'm working because of Dream Center. As you see, my uniform I'm working from, that I guess. So, to all those people who think that their life will never change again, let me tell you this thing. You still have a chance. You still have a chance. You can still make it. In Dream Center, they're not changing your life by getting you a job. No. They change you emotionally. The way you're thinking about yourself. So they're teaching us about life, also a work. So I can say that they're teaching us about life. Mr. Red used to say, you read what you saw. People, now it's, it's about time to change our lives. Be independent, come to Dream Center, they will teach you how to be independent and you're going to make it in life. Thank you. There's a story of Nkosinati, he's one of our students, um, and 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 the beautiful part of the story is that when he finished his 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 journey with us at the Dream Center, he found a job, as you see on his on his um, logo, dog or gas. Uh, and because of the change in his life, he decided that he wanted to see other people in his community have that change. And his during his first few years of earning his, his monthly paycheck, he sponsored over 60 people through the Dream Center out of his own money so that he could be part of the change. And so that's the effect is once you transform one life, that one life transforms other lives and becomes this multiplied impact that happens across the community. And so he's part of uh, last year, in our last financial year, we had about 1,700 students through our center. Um, and this year, it's far bigger because we've got centers in Nottingham Road, Howick, and in Portland now. So three locations. And uh, we're about to um, launch sometime next year our online academy as well, which will take these courses online across South Africa to help people in any community uh, engage with the, the content material and start to go on a journey of developments. We run the Alpha program to develop them spiritually. There's an emotional Emotional sort of mentorship program. There's a there's obviously knowledge that's transferred. There's practical skills, and all of that is designed to change people from disempowered to empowered and to see their dreams. That's why it's called the Dream Center.
We had to empower people to bring positive change through their dreams. And so it's been amazing to see just some of the stories. And I've got loads of stories of thousands of stories of people who have taken this opportunity and started to see their life transformed. Another area that we, we saw as a critical sort of need in our community was the social side of things. And so we launched things like the Green Lights. Uh, program. This is a, a poverty indicator measurement tool. It's run across the world. And so we, uh, some of our, our team got trained on it. And we go to communities and we take about 25 to 30 households and we go through the survey with them to score them on different poverty indicators, sanitation, access to education, um, domestic violence in the home. There's a whole lot of indicators. Uh, red is being obviously danger zone, amber being progressing, green being top-notch. And so those metrics help us to see what's happening in each community and where we need to focus our uh, our attention on. Uh, we've just done a, a, one of these sort of dreamline programs in one of our communities. And the result was that a lot of people were facing the biggest, big red zones were fin- access to financial opportunities, financial literacy, understanding access to economic opportunities. And so we got the whole group together and our social workers facilitated a joint discussion as how the community themselves could start to create economic change. And they came up with about four or five brilliant ideas that as we left the building, they'd already started to activate. It's two weeks later, they have started to take ownership over those ideas and they're running with bringing economic change to their informal settlements through a core steering committee that they set in place at that meeting. And that's the power of seeing people, having compassion, giving them the tools, not doing everything for them. We're not here to... Uh, to become the saviors, we had to point them to the savior uh, and to see that they have got inside of them in critical assets. They've got things in their community. They've got viable assets. They've got access to, to garden spaces. They've got access to economic opportunities. They didn't even see where opportunities. And so we help them to holistically start to develop those plans. Um, we, we run in different schools with prevention programs for pregnancy. We run a thousand days program helping young moms to become better parents. We're in different parenting programs. We're about to launch education initiatives uh, in some of our rural schools to help with literacy, coding, entrepreneurship, uh, and principal development as well. So helping the leadership of the schools become better. And so all of those programs are results of bringing people together. We've got teachers on board. We've got retired principals coming on board. Uh, we've got um, some different you know, other partners, NGOs who are working with us in the process to be to change our schooling system in our area to start to see that change. And so all of these are results of partnership. And I think that's what I want to emphasize. Um, obviously, in our greening and environmental space, uh, we've started to take over the recycling center in our in our in our municipality. So we ran all the uh, all the recycling. Uh, the municipality said to us, "Listen, we've got a truck, we've got no driver. Our recycling center is falling apart. Can you help us?" And so we put volunteers and we put some of our staff in to run those programs. We send the trucks around, picking up all the recycling. Uh, we started to clean up our river systems. And we just launched a project with the IDC where they've given us 100 workers each uh, each month to work on waste collection and bug weed eradication. And so we're going through all our conservancies to clean up all our alien invasive plants. And that's through a government partnership that we have. And so all of these things are working towards making our environments uh, a lot more sustainable and clean. We're making our, top, our tourism spots cleaner. 
Uh, we're busy landscaping across our community. We've just in introduced a street arts um, project where businesses are donating towards some street arts that's done beautifully. Uh, there's stories attached to those street arts. And so, for example, one of them is called Taxi Talk, where all our bus shelters, they're putting up art in our bus shelters uh, and the artist of the of a person that uses that bus every single day, uh, and then they've recorded their story, and so you can go on a tour of all of our bus shelters through throughout our region, and you eventually will be able to go much further up and towards from Hilton all the way to Nottingham Road, and you can scan a QR code, you can listen to the story of the art piece, and it's almost like an outdoor gallery is starting to develop in our community, and it's attracting tourism to the area. And um, Obviously, we've got a whole lot of tourist attractions that we're starting to clean up, and we're starting to uh, mobilize. One of the projects we're launching this month, actually, is a series of videos called um, uh, Midlands Magic, why this place, why you should visit this place. And so we've got uh, businesses to donate considerable amounts of money to create these high quality videos that will attract people to the Midlands. Why should you come here? We've got nature-based tourism. This is a place where you can come for romance, spas, B&Bs, romantic hot air balloon rides. Uh, families can come here and there's a whole lot of family activities, adrenaline junkies, because we run whitewater rafting, you know, there's the zip lines, there's the abseiling, all sorts of things. So we're trying to promote the area and bring a positive change. And so it's just some of the practical things that we're doing uh, just to bring change in our area. But I always say to people, and this is one of my uh, quotes I love, is that the meaning of life is to find your gift. Uh, but the purpose of life is to give it away. And I think Jesus sort of uh, kind of epitomizes that of giving his life away. And if we're going to see transformation, every person, we want to encourage them to find their gift, find what they can contribute, find where they've got passions and skills and they've got sort of social networks that they can engage to bring positive change and then to give our lives away, uh, volunteer our, our services, volunteer our businesses, I love that twice a year we have a green week where we ask all businesses across Howick to bring their staff out and we divide the community into different zones. We've got about 25 zones and they all pick a zone and two or three businesses tackle that zone, everything from brush cutting to drain clearing to fixing bottles to uh, changing the signage to painting something. And after that green week, you can visibly see the whole place has been uh, refurbished. And so those are just practical little things that we've done. But the whole goal, uh, as we see in the scripture, is that people began to speak. When the when the dead boy came to life, people began to speak about it. When things start to change, it only takes a little bit of positive change and, and vision and strategy to start engaging people together to see change. They started to speak about it. And he presented this young boy back to his mother. Imagine a moment where... Um, where, where we present back to our communities their dreams, the things that they thought they'd lost. Unemployment becomes employment. Uh, uh, you know, you know, just uh, lack of education opportunities. My kids are going to a school that's uh, that's working and seeing a good education. My town that was previously full of rubbish is now. Uh, as they began to speak, it says that the fear came upon all and they glorified God saying, a great prophet Jesus has come amongst us, has visited us. God has visited this place. 
And this report began to spread throughout all the regions. And I, that's our vision. You know, people ask, what's our vision? We want people to say, God has been it's a topic. Uh, this is a we can see it, we can feel it, we can experience it, we can there's evidence of transformation. Um, and and so our goal is to is to see a prosperous community where every person, their dreams are, are possible, where they start to see this life, this this growth, this development happening. And that's only possible when we start to become the change. As the church, we need to shift the narrative from positive, start to declare something beautiful. We need to create these platforms for partnerships that I spoke about. Uh, we need to love our city back to life. And so compassion has to lead the way. Uh, we've got to engage with these focus groups, these, this ABCD model of community mapping. It's powerful. And we want to be, be able to facilitate that process with communities. How do you do that? We want to bring uh, this sort of ripple effect that becomes a wave, little changes that we can start to make as results of those mapping exercises where we partner people together in different projects. So, so we are aiming to really capacitate and to provide uh, best practice models, provide resources to communities where they want to start these projects. And the goal for us is that we start to see that wave effect across our land where, um, where people become empowered. Uh, and so... Love Cities has been birthed as a network to help facilitate that type of change. Um, we're organizing ourselves. We've just done last week our first activation week where six partners came from around South Africa, Okaslambos of Berkeley, Winterton, Bloemfontein, Mokopane, Popomeni, Nottingham Road. So we had about six partners in the room and we took them through a week of training as to how do you start this work? How do you make this sustainable? How do you make this work? Uh, how, can you organize, how can we organize ourselves in such a way that we can start to see sustainable change? And so the network aims to support that, provide resources, provide the infrastructure in which to work, um, and the goal is that we start to roll out these programs across the country. We'd love to see dream centers, uh, those skills centers in every community. We'd love to see environmental waste projects. We'd love to see the Green Line program, uh, the social services roll out across the country. We'd love to see uh, you know, people engaging with positive narrative media. How do you create a narrative through arts and photography and street art and video and social media and print media that changes the, the way people are talking in your community from negativity to positivity, from death to life? Uh, and so our, our goal is to really be a movement that brings change in our country, but it's underpinned by this real heart to see the kingdom advance. Uh, and really, I'm going to end there and open up for questions if there are any questions. Sure, Matt. That was uh, that was a, a lot of information in a in a short period of time. Thank you for getting that together so so nicely for us. Um, all I can say is 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 wow. I mean, it's um, it's incredible what you guys have done in um, in 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 a relatively short period of time. I mean, talking about nine and a half years. Uh, it sounds to oh, me seven, like um, seven years officially. Seven, seven years, years since we registered the nonprofit. So, um, yeah, it is the, it's the power of partnership, and I think that's the key. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. It is that word, the collaborative, um, uh, uh, compounded collaboration. You know, people yeah. working to together in love 
you know, two people working together makes uh, 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 five, and five people working together makes fifty, and ten people working together makes two hundred. You know that that type of situation. So, um, guys, put up your hands if you've got some questions for 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 Matt, please. Um, Matt, maybe I can kick off and ask a very tough question. Do you think yeah. this can work in big cities? Um, I do. Um, I think, you know, obviously the, the, the goal would be for us to test it out. Um, and I know that uh, uh, Bloemfontein has been in our activation week last week. And so they're kind of our first city that we'll be looking at um, and rolling this out. And our, our goal would be for us through the community mapping exercise to almost break the city down into, into smaller parts and start to create sort of action teams in those spaces. Um, but that, that community mapping process is so powerful because a lot of the work is already done in those spaces. You start to ignite people and bring people together. They start to run with things. Um, and so I do think it's possible. I think it does need to be tested. And so hopefully Bloemfontein and, and Martin will be on the spot and if he's on this call and I hope he's up for the challenge to work with us to see if it can work in a city environment but I'm positive that it can this is a you know, as I said a God uh, download a God vision um, and so we want to see God visit every city and every town and every space um, across the country Cool. We're looking. We're gonna keep. A, we're gonna keep our eye on Bloemfontein and see how that goes. Yes. Um, so uh, I see nobody else has got their hands up. So I'm gonna keep on going. Um, what? What? What do you think was the impact? And this is a, this is a little bit of a loaded question. The getting the churches, the different denominations together in the city, to or in, in how we to work together. What? Uh, how big a weight did that carry? If if you understand what I'm asking. Yeah, um, I think as a, uh, when, when we did the activation week last week, it was one of the critical things around how, how did we engage everybody. And I, I always say that there's four roles that the first initiation sort of team needs to play. The one, the one role is vision and strategy and, and creating a, a bigger picture narrative for the community. The second one is what we call the peacemakers. Uh, these are, are people that are gifted at building bridges, building relationships. Uh, they're not caught up in denominational divides. They're not caught up in uh, in church politics. They're not caught up in all sorts of things. They're those that are there to build peace, to be to be peacemakers, not keep keep the peace, but to make the peace. So it's very intentional. Uh, and so for us, it was very intentional to build that. And so we started uh, United Pastors, which was uh, a monthly. Um, and it became sometimes more than that breakfast prayer time. Uh, we started to meet outside. So I met one-on-one with pastors and I started to, to, as I said, have empathy, hear people and have compassion. I didn't go in there with a vision. I said, how are you doing? What do you think? Where are you at? Um, where can we have compassion? How can we serve together here? And so that building of relationships is so key. The, the, the third role is communication. We On your teams and in your teams, there's got to be somebody who's really good and gifted at communication because um, we've got to communicate in such a way that it's we, not me. It's it's, it's us, not it's, it's not... It's not I, it's we. Like there's, there's a collaborative communication narrative here. So nobody feels left out. Nobody feels like 
one is getting more exposure and the other is it's, it's this neutral banner. That's why I love the word love because love how it, uh, it's not about a particular church, it's not about a particular business. No one gets to own that brand or put their brand onto our brand. We remain neutral. And so let's do this together. Let's love our city back to life. And most churches want to do that. Um, it's just we have to position in such a way that we don't uh, we don't look down upon dis- you know places that we maybe have disagreements with. We don't uh, we don't major on the minors. We don't we 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 come together around Jesus um, and His plan and purpose for our communities. And the last one is administration. We've got to, you've got to have someone on your team who can pull that together, organize those intentional meetings, organize those gatherings. In the early days, we had weekends together where we started to do outreach together. So all the youth leaders would come together and would start to do something with the youth. All the um, people in our elderly communities, our old age homes would come together and they would start to do something in that environment. All the business guys in the church came together. And so we started to just have intentional spaces of collaboration that were brought about by those peacemakers. That's the key. That was a very good answer. <laughs> so, so Matt, I've got to, I see nobody else has got their hands up yet. So are you still married and you, do you still see your four children with all this work that you're doing? Yes, I'm married. Uh, and uh, my four kids yeah, are part of the journey. Uh, the first cleanup was my family. And obviously, I said there were 50 other people joined. And every cleanup my family has still been part of. Uh, my wife teaches in our dream center. Um, as I said, my kids are involved in the work that we do. We've always believed as a family that we're ministers together. Uh, and so I include them in as much as I can because I want them to also be part of the change. In fact, they have seen work happen in their schools, so drafting their schools into these, these projects um, my daughter's school, um, and she initiated a conversation and some, one of the matrix picked up on, and they collaborated on collecting clothes for our street store. Um, and we have, we run a sort of a woman empowerment program where we train business women to run clothing stores using secondhand quality clothing. And so they donated all of that through their high school. So it's a great collaborative effort. And so definitely, uh, the kids must be involved and it must be all ages coming out to serve together. Um, in whatever way they can. Sure. Awesome. But it's going to be intentional. I've got a great time, and my wife is very good at reminding me of that. <laughs> <laughs> like they do. Um, Henry, you've got a question. Please go ahead. Thank you, Mingzo. Good morning, everybody. It is so great to be with you this morning. And morning, Matt. Um, uh, the first time that I heard about Matt's um you know, change that they've done. I've heard it in a Zoom meeting and I just knew in my heart and soul this is going to change South Africa. So I'm so excited about this. Um, first of all, I just want to introduce a little bit. I'm not sure how many of you that are on this platform are 100% informed on what Time to Rise is currently doing in terms of our um, action team rollout. That's the projects, the so-called blueprint projects that we envision to roll out on a national scale. And Matt, I'm not sure whether you took note of the WhatsApp message that I've sent you a while ago mentioning to you that it's actually happening now with the Love Your Town or Love Your Cities. But I suppose you get so many messages, you'll get to my message sometime. Um, yeah. so the, 
the first thing that I just wanted to mention here is um, I'm, I, ne I never, I never stopped to be absolutely amazed um, at how the Lord is working with a very beautiful strategy in Time to Rise. So um, the, the first project that we have now launched is called the Prayer Circle Strategy because we believe that uh, before we can change South Africa, prayer is the fundamental engine room. So that's where we should start. And very interestingly, um, that uh, the strategy that the Lord has given me a couple of years ago when we started this prayer circle strategy uh, in Potsdam was specifically, he said to me that one of the reasons why we don't see the change in our communities and in our towns and cities is because churches operate in isolation. There's a lot of churches and a lot of believers and a lot of passionate uh, Christians in South Africa. But uh, we don't see the change because uh, the churches seem to be working in their own sort of church environment and they're not actually getting out there. And at that stage, I prayed to the Lord what the solution would be. And there's a long story behind it. I'm not going to take time to say that now. But um, the short and the long of it is the Lord said to me, uh, start a, a prayer circle in a neutral ground where people are not um, affiliated with a specific church which could bring the vision. And he specifically said to me, uh, do that in parks, because parks are communal ground. Everybody belongs to everybody. And he gave me a strategy to plant a cross um, in that park um, as a prophetic proclamation that we are taking back the demarcated area for, for Jesus. And then we started praying um, uh, in that park, just inviting everybody in Potsdam from all sorts of denominations, praying specifically for the town. Now, that is our whole Zoom session in its own, because um, if you see the, the changes that has happened in Potsdam just due to the prayer circles. But the reason why I'm mentioning it on this platform, the first thing that fascinates me, Matt, is just amazing. You mentioned the first prayer that you prayed is, as in heaven, so in the city. And that was exactly what the Lord at that stage communicated to me. All the crosses that we are now, this initiative has been rolled out in South Africa um, prior to Time to Rise already. But um, he said to me to do an inscription on the cross saying, as in even so in the city, as um, a biblical declaration of what we stand for and what we would like to see happening. So it's just so beautiful to hear from you that that's also the way that the Lord has led you. Uh, that there's a model for us. The model uh, is, is that the prayer model is that uh, the Lord wants to see his kingdom come. He wants to see his kingdom to be established. That as it is in heaven, yes. that is the way it should be in our town. So if that's the, the point of departure for our prayer and the way that we think. And the other thing that I find so fascinating in terms of the overlap, and the reason why I'm mentioning these things is the overlap is just so, so amazing to me that um, the same God has the same plans and the same narrative that he would communicate to, to you, Matt, and then, you know, to me in a way when we started the prayer circles. But he also said the only thing, the only thing that will really change uh, this place is to, to pray from a place of compassion. And he has taught me that, you know, sometimes you can go through, uh, through this um, with an intellectual way of doing things. Saying you know we gotta we gotta compile some prayer points and we gotta think what's wrong and you know it's like very intellectual, but not unless uh, that process is fired by compassion in the same way that he had compassion when he walked the earth, 
that will make that will make a change. So I have yeah. realized that um, if I asked the Lord, you know, when when we wanted to, to think about what to pray for our town, if I asked the Lord to open my eyes for for where the needs are to to flow with the Holy Spirit, then sometimes you would just realize things that you've never ever realized before. That is just amazing. You you know you would you would walk past shop and you would suddenly understand, but. But there's a stronghold there, or uh, there's a specific need there, or there's a, a perception that needs to change, and that is not something that you can receive intellectually. That's a revelation from the Holy Spirit working with you to change the town. So when you go back to that cross on the on the Monday uh, evenings when we started to pray there, that is a particular prayer point. You now name name that person, you name that shop, and you say, Lord, this particular revelation that you gave me. And the fascinating thing is that um, you will see that uh, uh, you know I'm sure Ati is also here on this group that we have uh, we have testified how the areas where we have planted these crosses and where we have started to pray in this way that um, that's completely transformed. Uh, all the businesses in those areas started to flourish just um, supernaturally, uh, and it's not always because we uh, who are praying actually physically going and do the work. It's because something's changed in the spiritual realm. Certain things just change because we are loosening it up, like uh, the Word of God teaches us, what you lose up on earth it will be loosened up in heaven. So we have seen so many miracles. I'm also not going to, to, to take too much time about the miracles that we have seen. But um, now that's that's just the backdrop. So um, I just wanted to mention to you that uh, God is at work in our country and, and we can see his plan rolling out strategically and according to a plan. Uh, we, are, we are starting the pre-circles now. We're rolling this out as a national strategy. Uh, a lot of people uh, is now starting this in their towns as the, the fundamental first step before we start doing the rest of the work, which would involve the mm. Love City project. So, Matt, I have a question for you. Sorry, this is a very long introduction, but it's also about sharing, <laughs> you know, where, where these things come from and how, how God is really at work here. So the second the second project is we see that the first thing we want to do in time to rise is clean the air spiritually and take control take geographically and spiritually take back the uh, you know the areas the towns for Jesus. Secondly, we said before we start working on this project, we would like to uh, clean first clean clean the country, clean the cities. And I really felt like that, uh, you know, Lord has been spoken to us in time to rise a lot about um, not being scared by the by the giants in the in the promised land, like Joshua, like on the giants. And the first giant that I felt is that what you should take on is the the townships to clean the townships. If we start cleaning, if we can somehow succeed cleaning this, the townships, I think that might, might, will have a ripple effect on. Uh, you know, many other things that we could uh, somehow do. So what I'm saying is um, in this three-project strategy, it's first spraying, then cleaning, and then building up. So my question to you, um, Matt, is that process that you have used where, where people clean up and bring the tokens to the, you know, the recycle material and then receive tokens for it, who funds that shop? The, the store, the street store where they can get their food and their clothes for the recycled material. Who, where does that initial food and clothes come from? Who funds that? So it's all based on donations 
Um, so we put obviously an appeal out uh, churches, uh, schools, um, general community members, and we, yeah, we often. I mean, we we have a surplus of donations, um, and so yeah, donations, which means obviously it's easy for us to distribute, and then we also because of the donations being so. I mean, often there's so, so much of it. We have a monthly market where we actually sell the clothes. So. 10 rand an item or 20 rand an item. And we use the funds generated from that market to actually buy the food parcels. Uh, and so it's almost like the donations create the, 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 the model that sustains the whole thing. Um, and then also, I mean, we do have businesses on board as well. So some businesses do contribute towards uh, food supplies or toiletries or uh, those type of things. So it's really just building those networks with business, with churches, with community members, and actually getting that supply chain going. And people are very, very generous. There's a lot of excess in our homes. So, yeah, and running in the schools as well. Schools love to run projects that are community-based. And so if you go there with a strategy saying, listen, can you do a, cl- a clothing drive or a food drive, and this is what it's going to be used for, uh, they'll jump on board with that. And just on the cleanups and townships, our last week was in a – um, an ABCD workshop, which is our community forum. So we, we run an asset-based um, sort of inventory of the community. And we ask the community to map all the things that they can contribute um, and all the dreams and, and the strategies that they have. And it was amazing. We had about six groups of about 20 people, uh, no, about 10 people, so about 60 people. Um, and all of the groups, one of their first points that they wanted to projects to engage with from the township was to clean up their township. Uh, and so we started, um, we have initiated this this uh, sort of clean, clean champions or green champions in each of the wards. And then in each of those spaces, they're mobilizing people to clean up their, their street or their block. Um, and, and it's amazing they're doing it. And so, uh, yeah, we, we're just making sure that uh, we are present in that space to support them. Uh, and we're making sure that our recycled, our trucks and all those type of things are there to pick up and to sort all the recycling on site and get it back to our centers, our buyback centers. And so it's amazing that they have come up with that initiative. They're running with it in one of our biggest townships here in Hark, um, and they're driving the vision themselves. Yeah, that, that is really amazing, Matt. So, so if I understand you correctly, uh, what you are saying in terms of the cleanup strategy for uh, for the townships is that uh, you have, uh, have sort of demarcated areas or blocks that you would then give to a particular green champion, and that would be the person who would take take control over that. Because my other question in terms of a practical note was um, – Sometimes, you know, we, we see a bit of a competition in, in terms of uh, areas. You know, I, I was I was playing with the idea if one could um, allocate a particular area to a particular person or persons and tell them this is the area which you are allowed to use for your, um, you know, collecting your, your recycled materials because, um, you know, then they would take control over that area and that would give them... Um, a, a demarcated area that actually belongs to them. So, have you have you done that kind of thing before? Um, so we so in the township, as I said, this is this is our first time of doing it now. 
we have done it in Howick. Obviously, we've got a big system in place here. Um, and by Howick, I mean the surrounding areas as well. Um, but in Popamini, which is our big township, about 10Ks out of town, um, the the strategy is only possible, and this is what what we've seen over, over sort of seven years of working, where the community themselves come up with the idea. Um, so otherwise, what ends up happening is that they don't take ownership and there's no real sustainable transformation. And so those community forum engagements, which we use the ABCD model in, uh, they they came up with that. So I didn't tell them they needed to clean their community. I facilitated a conversation between them and they decided that's what they wanted to do. And they elected their champions and they took ownership and they came up with um, you know how they want to do it, and now all we're doing is we're just providing the, the the infrastructure around them. So we'll make sure that they have the bags that they need, if that's what the case is. We'll make sure that we pick up. So you know, in their block, um, we'll make sure that we have someone who can pick up from all the blocks on the cleanup day that they use that they're doing it. The Saturday they're doing it. Uh, they wanted T-shirts. Obviously, we've got Love and Popamani started, so we've got another Love Cities project there, and so we're looking for sponsors to give them those T-shirts. So they come out because their color is purple, so they've got Love Purple, Love Popamani purple shirts. They come out like this purple army across the streets, and they're cleaning up. But at the same time, we've got a campaign called Let's Talk Rubbish. Um, and that is where we go door to door and we educate people on why they need to dispose their waste properly, what day the, the, the truck's coming through, why they should not dump. Um, so there's this dialogue as well as a cleanup, as well as a coordinated sort of army effort that's, that's going on. Uh, and that's seeing some noticeable changes. Um, so, but it came from them and that's the power. And that's what I, I, I stress to all of our Love Cities partners. I said, let's not impose our views onto people. Let them start to come up with their own vision because uh, they take ownership over that. And you engage, we, we met in a, a particular church. There was a mixture of church, business, um, some people were unemployed, some people were part of NGOs. They were all together in one room with this, this whole sort of visionary strategy session that they drove, not me. I just facilitated. Um, and then that's where there's ownership. Yeah. Often we want to tell people what to do, and that doesn't work. Uh, I've seen we've burnt our fingers many times coming in with a strategy that we've come up with. We rather facilitate what communities want and then drive the change through those champions. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much, Minzia, for the opportunity. Thank you for the questions. So, um, Matt, I, I, I really love the Dream Center idea. You know, and we've been speaking about it or talking about it on our Zoom meetings before for a while now about the, the gift of apprenticeship. Um, and because that is one of our the, the big challenges. You know, there is a, a, a big group of people that is now in the job or should be in the job market, but they actually did not have an education. You know, so 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 yeah. the trick is to get them in a position where they can learn in the marketplace or in the workplace. And the problem is they they actually trip themselves going in trying to get that job. You know, and and, yeah. and just that initial t uh, teaching them show up for on time. Be a you, you had a beautiful word um, I forgot now. Be a joy to your to your uh, manager or, or, or what was that term that you used? Yeah. Um, yeah so, so in your business. Yeah. Think think like an owner, not like an employee. 
yeah, serve your boss, have a good attitude, all those things. Yeah, yeah. It makes it makes such a huge difference. And suddenly Massive. you've got a willing, willing teacher. You know, the, the Chinese have got a saying, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. You know, and yeah. what you guys are doing there is you're preparing the student to be ready so that the teacher will arrive. You know, and, and, and I think that is how we're going to solve the education problem that we're currently sitting with. Because there's no more time to send that uh, those 21, 22, 25-year-olds back to school to try and educate them. We have to now yeah. pick that up in apprenticeship uh, positions. You know, and that's how we're going to solve that massive um, youth unemployment rate, which is, which is going to become a – it is the thing that scares me. You know, um, but yes, the yeah. dream centers are brilliant, brilliant plan, and I, it would be great. I know that Chris has been wishing to. I think Chris is going to have a, a long chat with you soon. Um, he's from um, from Hansby. He's been talking about this since since we started on our Zoom meetings. Um, but yes, that is the that is the way to go. You know, that's the way to go. And Chris has got an interesting the- yeah. uh, uh, theme that he said. Um, there's a spirit of filth. You know, like a spirit of depression, a spirit of, of 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 hopelessness. There's a spirit of filth, and that spirit of filth needs to be cleaned in 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 the spiritual area. But it also has to manifest in the in the in the mechanical or in the in the in the in the, in the, uh, in the uh, physical, and then you can start cleaning it up because it yeah. is a two-sided thing. You know, so um, yeah. yeah. I personally think that the dream sensor and that that whole uh, vision is actually the engine room of a lot of what we do because that's changing um, the spiritual identity of those who come through that center, the emotional health of those people, um, the intellectual and obviously capacity issues that we're facing in our country, as well as giving people a sense of belonging because they come in, they spend a month together, and you often hear them. And so we've got our alumni, our reunion of all our students each year, and they they are so excited to get together because this is their family. They're part of the Dream Center family. So it's a sense of belonging. Um, and so all of those courses, I mean, we we run short, unaccredited, but professional skills-based courses that all have a practical component. And so once you've done, for example, two weeks of catering with us, I've just organized with our local spa that there's our students go and work in their practicals. So they don't get paid as two weeks of prep, full days, six to six, uh, work in the deli, work in the butchery, work in the bakery, work in the cafe. And so you kind of find these partners, businesses around the, the, the community that will take students uh, after the initial training and then do. I mean, our, our best hotel uh, is, is running all of the practicals for our hospitality students. So they do two days in a class and then they go to the hotel for three days and they move the students around all the departments housekeeping, friends of house, food and beverage, eventing, um, and that's a massive opportunity. And so you form these partnerships with business, and obviously it takes time, and you've got to prove a um, sense of quality, you know, excellence in what you do, uh, good, good. But I, I, I received a great story yesterday. One of our spas, um, we've, got a, we've got four in the community, and they've started to hire our, our students after the program. And um, one of our, our staff members was talking to the owner, and, and she said, you know what, your guys are very different to all the other people that we hired.
Um, so they're part of our four now that that is the, the fruit of discipleship is that you start to change the heart, you start to change the mind, you start to change the hands. So all of that, the holistic approach, uh, the mentorship program in the afternoons, I forgot to say that all of our students that, that come for us for a month, they do community outreach in the afternoons, which means we also have a group of 20 to 30 working on the streets or working in different projects that are voluntary. Um, and they almost become like our kind of our, 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 our real champions of our story in that process of giving back as well, because we're trying to change the entitlement mindset of give me, give me, give me. I'm entitled to this to know. Let me serve. Let me volunteer. Let me give back. Um, and so a lot of our students, there's a whole mindset shift. Obviously, some don't make that transition. But out of, I mean, I said 1,700 last year. There's more this year. There's a good 60% or so that do. Um, and that is a win for us. Um, yeah. I think the stat last was 43% of our students got work through this program. I mean, 43%, that's, well, that's, that's seven, 800 people last year through the program. Obviously, end of February, we'll measure this year again. Um, and so the goal is for us to really get this program everywhere because this is where you start to see this is discipleship in action. You know, they go through the Alpha program. We have people give their lives to Christ at the end, slot into local churches. Um, it's been amazing to see just the dynamics within that center. Yes. I mean that that's a phenomenal uh, success rate. Uh, uh, when you when you started that sentence, I thought. Maybe twelve or fifteen percent is a is a good rate, but a sixty sixty percent is a phenomenal rate. Yeah. So you guys are doing it. And I always say, if it can happen in Howick, it can happen anywhere. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, you know that that uh, I think Yonk is it Yonki Chow, the 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 big church there in in um, uh, Korea. Um, the, the the same thing happened. You know, the big companies that 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 uh, have been ruling the world, the Samsung. You know those uh, from that little little country are employing um, only people from each church because they have such a big impact because the way that they operate, the way that the the minds think, you know, the the mindsets are uh, different. And I, I think that's what you're seeing at the spa is that the guys are seeing, yeah. you know, what I want, I want those guys, you know. And you know, it, it is for me so sad. Um. We're sitting with this massive unemployment rate. My biggest problem at my factory is employing people. Yeah, mm -hmm. is, is it, doesn't that sound crazy? I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. because the problem is the guys fail in the first couple of days um, just because of yeah. uh, of a poor work attitude. You know, so uh, yes. Yeah. That's actually why one of the things that sparked the Dream Centers, I read an article that said South Africa does not have an unemployment crisis. It has an unemployable crisis. Uh, and that really is the challenge for our young people. So that's why you know, our school system is not actually preparing people for the world after school in terms of life skills, uh, you know, just in terms of self-management, self-awareness. Uh, ethics, values, all those type of things. So these programs, I mean, our Dream Center curriculum, the first half an hour of every day starts with a lesson called Character Matters, and it goes through 16 character uh, sixteen character values that are needed in order for to be a success in life. Um, and that's obviously infused with, um, with obviously, with Scripture and, and the, the life of Christ as the foundation. So it really is a, a, a challenge. And I think, I mean, just... 
just last thing for me to say is we we are seven years down the line officially, and I said nine sort of years before that when we started the first cleanup and the building bridges and creating, you know, building the relationships because it does take time. Um, and I always say to people, though, it's it's start with what you have, start where you're at, uh, start with, um, you know, the networks you do have and take a step. No one's looking for people to uh, jump into where we are right now in our journey. This is seven years down the line. It's just take that step. And so Love City's network has been designed to help people take those steps. And that's really our goal is those who want to partner with us can. There are many other organizations out there that I think are doing similar things. Uh, we are we are definitely wanting to support the Time to Rise movements, which I think is great to sort of mobilize the body of Christ again. But our obviously way of approaching it is based on our experience and what we've learned and, and our and our and our best practice. Um, and so that really is to help people to do that asset-based mapping, uh, change the narrative. Those are our first few things that we do. Then we move into project mode. Um, that happens later. Uh, and 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 you start building teams and you start building you know sort of those pl- that platform that city gate again with business governments church NGOs uh, media all work together on certain projects so it is a staged approach it's a very strategic approach it's a it's a community informed approach through compassion uh, but it also is the narrative is important which is heaven to earth. We've got to pick up God's narrative and, and his word over our communities and we've got to start speaking that out uh, wherever we go, as we pray, as we prophesy, as we speak to our friends, as we speak to our families and um, let's speak about what God's speaking about. Yeah. You know, Friak had such a clever thing that he said the other day. He said, um, heaven is not in trouble. We are in trouble. You know, heaven is not, there's no stress in heaven. There, there's no, uh, heaven is not in trouble. We, we we need to just get ourselves lined up, you know. Um, so I, I, I oh, one one quick last question, if you don't mind, um, Matt. Will the Dream Center be able to be run as a as a separate system? Yes. So um, obviously, what we're trying to do is package our curriculum in such a way that we will be able to train a facilitator from a local community. Um, and obviously would, we would we would be part of that process to make sure that they are ready to be able to train on our material. Uh, and then from there, they will fall under um, our kind of training sort of model and, and uh, quality assurance, accountability, uh, curriculum updates, development, that type of thing. Um, there, there are obviously costs associated with that, uh, but the goal for us is to have the dream centers wherever there is a willing person who has got facilitation training, uh, real background or passion for that, and who can find partners to work with them. So whether there's a church with an empty building, you'll see the building, a projector, a laptop, uh, and a willing person. Uh, and then obviously some backing from churches, businesses, um, whoever, to actually support that person. Then we can train them, we can resource them, we can uh, help just to make sure that quality assurance takes place and things are managed properly. Uh, and the goal would be to have dream centers everywhere. Because it sounds to me like such a high impact um, move. You know the, yeah. the the dream center, not just not not disregarding any of the other great stuff that you guys are doing. But the, the the dream center sounds to me. Uh, keeping in mind, I'm a I'm I'm an engineer and a capitalist, so um, the, you know, the dream center has got the has got my attention. 
Yeah. So if, if you have, for example, in your community, a group of people that's um, businesses, churches who want to back something like that, the goal would be for, to engage with us um, and then to be able to go through a journey of choosing the right facilitator. And then from there, to, to they come to us for training. And then from there, they start to run. And there is a model that we use for that that will enable financially as well for for them to pay our curriculum fee as well as there's enough to run a center and pay the, the facilitator. So where we worked it out is that it should be self-sustaining uh, pretty quickly. I would love to know, and we don't have to discuss it now, but I would we can do that privately. Uh, what would be what are you talking about cost-wise on 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 something like that? Yeah. yeah. Um, because it sounds to me that that is a very doable thing. Um, with massive, massive uh, impact on on our community, um, getting yeah. the guys in. And I, th and I think we, we are growing, um, and so if people are willing to pioneer with us, it is a very much a, a growth space that we're in right now. Because eventually, our vision is to have the experts on a screen, and the facilitator merely facilitates the learning process. So they don't have to be subject experts. They just have to be good at facilitation and mentorship and kind of holding the whole things together. And so that's why our online um, our online platform next year will be key in that process. Mm, I'm excited about that. Awesome. Anthony, you've got a question? Actually, I just wanted to give God the honor. Thank you very much, Lord. Next week we're speaking about healing. And that's what the underlying tone of what I'm hearing of what happened and how we can time to rise is that you're busy healing our country, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing there in Howick, sir. And may that be a catalyst to the rest of South Africa mm -hmm. that you can use as an example to the world to show us how when you restore a country and when you restore a people that your hand is in it and nothing is impossible to you, Lord. I pray, Father God, that this this movement that started in Howick and started with Time to Rise and started on this community group, yeah, Lord, that you would grow it into the cities, into the, the rural population where trust is restored between the races, where, where people can start emotionally heal. It is beautiful to hear how that, how that uh, guy witnessed and said, he first he emotionally healed. So that workshop there, Lord, I pray that you would open that workshop in every city, Father God, that you continue this healing process that you've started in our country. May you get all the glory for it, Father God, for without you, nothing is this, nothing would have happened without you, Lord. It's all the glory and all the honor to you, Father God. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Anthony. I think that's a, maybe a good place to 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 stop it. We had a great thank morning. you so much for your time. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, blessings to you guys. Have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Have a good day.